seeking entertainment i can't tell you how excited i am to be kicking off this show i've been waiting for this all week honestly like i've had these thoughts circulating in my brain all week so ready to just kind of spout them out to the world and so excited to have my good friend ben frawley on this podcast how are you sir what's going on chris what's going on people we got new improved technology in listen your to this yeah i mean <laughs> now you can actually hear what i sound like which might I be know. disturbing to I mean, the veil's been lifted. You know, the beer goggles have cleared, if you will, in my voice. So, there you go. Um, he woke up the next moment. <laughs> I sobered up, and now I know what you truly sound like. Now you know what it truly sound like, and it's gonna be it's gonna be a it's gonna be a bumpy ride. We'll see. But um, not to give this this company any more plugs or press or publicity. And believe me, they're not paying us to say this. But uh, we are using a new program called ZenCaster, uh, which. I, I did a lot of research on a lot of people told me this is what you got to be using to do remotely recorded podcasts with people. And so far, honestly, my, my expectations have exceeded themselves. Excellent. Um, yeah. So, and, and you can hear the difference hopefully. So there you go. Um, so yeah. So folks, if this is your first time listening to this podcast, this is what we do. Me and Ben are entertainment carnosaurs, aficionados, and we basically spend all week looking and consuming entertainment. And what we like to do in this podcast is bring our top five picks of the week, things that we found interesting, controversial, entertaining, whatever it may be, we're bringing it to this this podcast. And better yet, I have no idea what Ben is going to tell me. That's right. Yeah, no idea. I, I've been I've been jacked up too. And I don't know what you're going to bring to the table as well. So you get our, our reaction on air. And people have told me that that is the best thing about this podcast is sometimes you'll bring something to to the table and – I haven't watched it yet or I haven't seen it yet. But what's cool is you get my reaction and what I think, what the buzz is around what you have viewed even before I go to see it. So that's kind of neat. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So, and then of course, well, before I say anything, I mean, Ben, do you have a theme song yet for our (laughs) our amazing, our amazing segment? I've been slacking off. I, I have some ideas. I have. I want to do it right. I really do want to do it right. I don't want to do like a thing where it's like, oh, I wheel out something. It's good for two weeks, and then we scrap it instantly. I want something really good. I, oh, I want to tell everyone like what I'm thinking, but I don't want to give away. No spoilers. Keep it away. Yeah. But keep, keep, I have been. That. I have been like so uh, over um, Christmas break. I uh, got the Beastie Boys book. Um, which is an awesome read. I highly recommend everyone read the Beastie Boys book because it's all about, you know, growing up in New York City in the late 70s and just how enveloped in music they were. And they talk about going to this Black Flag concert way back in the day. And all all week, as I was thinking about this podcast and researching this podcast, I don't know if you're familiar with the song TV Party. Do you know that one, Chris? No. Uh, it's a great song. It's called TV Party. It was on the Repo Man soundtrack. And... uh it's so awesome, and it's just about guys sitting around watching TV. It's so awesome, and that's pretty much what we do on this podcast is talk about guys sitting around watching TV. <laughs> very true. Very true, but we do it in a very entertaining way. I, I hope so. so. I hope so. I hope so. I hope so. Um, well, let's kick things off. You know, Ben, I'm, I'm going to – do you mind if I, I lead off hit on Go this Go ahead, one? man. 
So I'm sure a lot of people had a, a crazy busy weekend. My my weekend was insane, and I fulfilled a lifetime dream, a bucket list, if you will. And I went to WrestleMania this weekend, folks. It was uh, I've been a lifelong wrestling fan. And never been to a WrestleMania. It was at MetLife Stadium in New Jersey, which was like an hour from my house. So it was perfect. Went with my my friend, uh, Kenny, who also graduated from Lamar right. College, yep. which is awesome. And he, you guys um, were in the same class, it, right? Uh, he was a year ahead of me. So he was 03. I was okay, 04. Yep. Yeah. And, um, but man, like talk about just spectacle, pageantry. I mean, everything that you would hope being at a live wrestling event, especially WrestleMania, um, was incredible. It was incredible. Ben, have you ever been to a live wrestling event before? Uh, when I was a kid, as you, as you, you know, as most people know, we grew up in Connecticut, both of us, and so we had a live wrestling event in my future high school when I was in middle school, and I saw um, freaking Tatanka beat Diesel, <laughs> and I saw the Head Shrinkers. I forget who they fought, but it was kind of epic. And I remember the Head Shrinkers; they cheated and they had a bar in one of their like wrist guard things. And they, Oh, it was great. And I saw it like for like 15 bucks. It was great. I mean, it's just, it, as a kid watching it, you're, you're just like all into it. And then going back as an adult, like I'm 30, I'm 38 years old or 37 years old. I'm about to turn 38. And, um, I just, I felt like I was 15 again. I felt like I was 12. I felt like I was, you know, like it was, it was an incredible experience. So folks, if you ever have, if you're a wrestling fan, even if you're just a casual fan and you have the means and the ability to get to an event like WrestleMania, and it's going to be at Tampa, Florida next week, uh, next year, by the way, um, I definitely encourage it. It's just so much fun. And you get seven plus hours of wrestling, which is like seven hours. It's a long day. (laughs) The thing (laughs) The, the the entire the pre-show started at three thirty, so you get a couple matches during the pre-show, and then the main um, show kicks off at seven, and then the main event didn't start until twelve oh seven the next wow. morning. Wow! Like, it, and it was over by twelve thirty, and um, I made the silly mistake of deciding to drive home after that. So we pulled in back to my house at like two thirty in the morning, and I had a six o'clock flight the next day. So I was a mess yesterday. That's but, crazy, dude. Um, but worth it. <laughs> Now, this, totally the big that. thing about this WrestleMania, this was an all-female title card, right? Yeah. For first time ever, we had an all-women's main event, which um, just was – first of all, to say that like is crazy to think about. Like if you told me a year ago or two years ago that this would happen, I would never have right. believed you. But um, it was it was a spectacle to be seen and very historic in a, in a great way. And sadly, it wasn't as great of a match as I was hoping it was going to be. But um, you know, just to see that – to to have that close out the show was just truly now, truly special. Now, Chris, also, oh, oh yeah. So now I want to get your take on something. Um, you know, I'm a big MMA guy actually, and we haven't had a really big match since we started the podcast. But I, I think right before we started the podcast, there was a pretty big match. What do you think about these crossover stars going to MMA to UFC and vice versa? Or I'm sorry, UFC to um, WWE and vice versa. What do you think about all that? You know, it's funny. I'm I'm usually all for it. Um, you know, the problem is, is that you're going from something that is, you know, nonfiction to fiction, right. if you will. And, you know, these guys who are basically themselves all of a sudden have to be a character and they have to, you know, be in storylines. And, and it's a completely different technique. I mean, yeah, you can be an MMA fighter, but, you know, <laughs> professional wrestling is a different, you know, beast altogether in terms of physicality in the ring and what you're doing and you, where you really don't want to hurt somebody. And as opposed to a sport where you're trying to hurt somebody. <laughs> right. So, um, 
it's I, I've seen a lot of guys struggle who, especially when you're coming from MMA to WWE and also vice versa. I mean, you know, Brock Lesnar is probably the one guy that's, you know, succeeded in that, but like other guys like CM Punk and um, Matt Riddle, who's kind of come the obvious, uh, the opposite way that, you know, they've struggled to kind of find their footing. So right. Well, and and I know that um, Lesnar came from um, a world of collegiate wrestling and he entered the mm -hmm, UFC mm -hmm. at a pretty early age where I think CM Punk started UFC at like, 38 or something like that yeah oh yeah yeah definitely so i mean it's it's a tough it's a tough transition but what's nice though is that you're seeing kind of like that that wwe professional wrestling you know rub in terms of personalities come off an mma and these guys are trying to become like you know whether it's like you know hot takes on the mic or something like that or trying to be more of an exaggerated personality than they actually are uh the showmanship is definitely you know inspired from professional wrestling, and you're seeing that in MMA, which is I think making it a better product, right? Actually, so um, yeah, I'll be interested to see if we see more crossovers in the future. But wrestling's hot right now, and, and folks, I mean, it's not what it was 20 years ago. It's not what it was 30 years ago. It's a different beast altogether, and, and I definitely encourage people to get into it. So um, yeah, that's man. great. Yeah, that's great. What do you man? got that's, this week? That's awesome. Yeah. Um, so oh, so one thing that. Um, I want to start off. I want to start off the week with is this tradition, and it was. In, it, I was uh, introduced to this by my friend Josh, and it's the name of the year bracket. Are you familiar with this, Chris? Oh no! But it sounds okay. amazing. If if everyone just Google's name of the year bracket 2019, and the whole website comes up. So these these Ivy League Ivy League college kids from like 1983 started this thing, and it just kind of as a goof. And they went around and tried to find the most ridiculous names in the phone books. So in 1983, they actually had to get phone books and find real names. Um, you know, one of the first winners or runners up was uh, Hector Macho Camacho. <laughs> and they try to find the most ridiculous names. So last year, uh, the winner of the – so this this is a bracket form. So every March Madness, they do it into a bracket form and they find the most ridiculous names. And last year's winner was um, – Jim Bob Ghostkeeper. <laughs> so these are real names. These are absolutely real names. And Deadspin.com always keeps me up up to date on this. Um, there was there's one a guy named Pope Thrower. <laughs> there's, I mean, it just keeps going. <laughs> you could just keep going. Like uh, there's a guy named uh, Apollo Creed Gardner. Apollo Creed being one word. Um, Dejanes Norman. <laughs> Dr. Trentington Outhouse. And that's just in one region right there. Uh, I mean, there's oh Jose Shorts and Corey Fastlane, Candy Button Disco, Cash Kinghorn, Corno Pronk. I mean, these are all legit real names. The guys pride themselves on finding real names. They're not trying to scam anyone. There's been a couple of controversies in the past because uh, people with ridiculous names had changed their names. But it's one of the greatest things to break out at a staff meeting. My boss actually yelled at me <laughs> and she's like, that's it. You're not going to de de derail the staff meeting at all. And so I was like, come on, just give us one name. So she would, she would go down and go, okay, Reverend picks, butt. <laughs> that's enough out of you. <laughs> so Now, how does, how do the names advance? Is it fan, fan vote, vote or is it like totally fan vote? And as I'm sitting okay. here, um, they've actually gone down uh, one round. To uh, yeah, oh. to the Sweet Sixteen right now, and so um, if, yeah. if you could, without spoiling too much, because I want people to go check this out, but could you give us like the top four 
like seeds. Oh, top like four one, seeds. Like the, the number one. Oh, seed. top number one. Yeah, the, or the number oh, one yeah. seeds from each region. So there's yeah. Surrenda, Surrender Nada. There's Doctor Trentington Outhouse. That's a great one. There's Jose Shorts, and then and then one of my favorite uh, from the Corona Tangle region is Ecclesiastical Denzel Washington. I I, I really like Ecclesiastical <laughs> Denzel Washington, who took out Jamario Charleston, uh, the 16 seed. I don't think there was a 16 over one <laughs> this year. <laughs> It's tough to gauge like what 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 kind of reaction do you have to have that makes number one oh, versus number yeah, two? They, like, they how do break you it down on the website. Now? They totally break it down. It's like yeah, it's oh, like do. you want oh, each good. name to be you know its own joke, and then also the the way you see it and the way the way it sounds when you say it out loud. And it's one of the greatest things to break out in like a group full of people. And with the advent of cell phones, I no longer have to print this bracket out and say them out loud. I can just pull up the website, of course. You know, a couple of years ago, I'd have to print out my March Madness bracket and also the name of the year bracket to uh, talk about names like Bear Spiker or Paisley Boney the Fourth. <laughs> yeah, Amazing. so I, I, I oh, highly encourage everyone to go check this out. It's one of the greatest things ever, every year. And like, I forget about it somehow every single year. And I'm filling up my bracket and my friend Josh texts me. He's like, name of the year brackets out, bro. Joe, go check it out. It's so great. So get on there. Your, your coworkers will love you to death for the rest of your life. Dude. Amazing. <laughs> Definitely check that out, folks. That's, that's incredible. That's incredible. All right. My next pick, we're going to theater, going to the world of theater. Excellent. I was wondering when you're um, going to get into breaking, some theater. I love it. Awesome. I know. Right. Breaking news again. Once again, I mean, it's amazing how, when we do these things on Tuesdays, um, news just happens, but it was announced that Paramount Stage Productions is going to be developing a prequel to Greece. Really? And yeah, and here's the skinny. Um, the story will apparently center on the summer uh, before school, where Danny and Sandy meet. Of course, on the beach. we see a bit. We see and a little so, bit of that in the movie, of course. Right. You, you see a little bit of it in the movie, and you hear about it in the in the song "Summer Nights." The musical will be titled "Summer Lovin'," and uh, I guess the the old question, the age old question of "Did she put up a fight?" will be answered. <laughs> I guess in this piece. Um, nice one. I, I gotta I gotta be honest. Like I don't know why they're doing this especially when in the movie you kind of see how it ends um, and it just doesn't feel like it's a compelling story to even, you know, tell if you will. Um, and also like prequels and sequels to musicals never work. So I'm very interested to see why they do this, but Ben, I mean, would, can, can you, or will you get excited for a prequel no. to Greece? <laughs> Not at all. It's like seeing Darth <laughs> Vader as a little kid. Uh, I'm all set. I know what happens to him. Also a bad idea. <laughs> I get it. And I think that's the problem is that when you do these prequels where we know the result, I mean, yeah, that's you're just sitting there. As you're just sitting there like, just waiting for it to happen. Now, if you took an avant-garde right. musical like my favorite Rocky Horror Picture show and showed Dr. Mm. Frankenfurter on uh Transsexual Transylvania, whatever the hell that means. <laughs> they got a lot of explaining to do with that song. So, uh I would love to see that prequel. If is it on a different planet, or you know, why is Eddie frozen? Why is he riding a motorcycle out of a freezer? A lot of unanswered questions. How about the prequel to Rocky Horror? 
I, I'm down with that. But, you yeah. know, I think they're, yeah. you know, Chris, we've talked about this, just like how Disney are breaking out these quote, quote, heavy quotes, live action, um, cart, you know, live action versions of the cartoon uh, Lion King and Jungle Book and all these things yep. where it's pretty much yep. the same exact thing, but quote, live action, aka CGI. And it's just a way to cash in on a new generation of moviegoers like that have never seen these movies and they're just sitting there like oh I'll go, I'll, I'll go check this out i heard about this movie maybe when i was four and now i'm 16 and i have money now and i'll give them my money that's totally what they're doing yeah 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 i mean to prove your point i mean right. dumbo came out two weeks ago and a lot of people said it was a failure because it's just you know it's like what what nostalgia you want from that i mean i don't know but like i, I don't know it, like it, it, and i think you brought up a good point when we know that the outcome uh prequels aren't fun you know i think you know when you're i've heard a lot of rumors about this game of thrones prequel series that they're doing uh, i'm all for it because there's so many stories right. you can tell we can go down no a billion avenues on about. that or or lord of the rings they're coming out with a lord of the <laughs> rings uh tv show for amazon there's so many avenues like some some exactly. rich world like that so many we can dive into uh, the lineage of some family or the lineage of the tree bearers or some shit like that that can just take up like you know 100 pages of a book i get it something like that is fine but when you have such an on the rails musical about summer loving and a girl gang and a guy gang. I, I don't know how much, you know, wiggle room we have now. Now, speaking of a guy, girl, you know, a guy gang and a girl gang now prequel to the warriors or warriors as a TV Ooh, show in a different dude. gang, having a different episode or a different season. Now we're talking, we're talking about like cheesy, dramatic, sons of anarchy version of a tv show now we're talking now you got me but you know you got me intrigued where i just want to see the turnbull acs and the lizzie's and you know all those guys in a different kind of show now you're talking but like something where it's just the you know grease is a great musical you know for a guy that mm -hmm. did a lot of theater that you know i i, I would be like self-proclaimed i don't like a lot of musicals i i like that musical a lot of course you know there's a couple that you you have to say okay i know all the words to most of those songs and right. i don't know it's a cash grab <laughs> dude don't even first of all don't even get me excited about a, a netflix warrior series because that would be off the walls insane i want an entire episode just oh, about the, the orphans, orphans. Like, give me an episode about the, the orphans. orphans would be like so like poor and just <laughs> humbling and Everybody, everybody knows the. Everybody knows you're how gonna, bad you're just going to cry at the end of the episode. You know they are. Because <laughs> be they don't even have to change oh when gosh. they go home. Right. They're just going to have a ratty T-shirt on no. when they go to their house. The same ones that's their colors. Didn't even. Didn't even know they were in a gang. Like it just. It's like this is what I woke up with. Guess you're saying it. the orphans ain't with it. <laughs> Folks, if you haven't seen the Warriors, I mean, they write about our scores in the papers. <laughs> Um, so next up, oh, Chris, here we go. Want your hot take on this one. Ready? Go ahead. Um, Adam Sandler, the Sandman set to host Saturday night live mm. for the first time coming out in uh, May 4th. What do you think yeah. about all that? Well, first of all, I had no idea he had never hosted before. So that was like a surprise. I was like, oh, that's right. And then I started thinking about it. Cause he's been on the show a bunch like doing like guest spots and things like that. But 
Um, I had no idea he'd never hosted. I knew that there was an issue there of why he never hosted. I know, like I I heard interviews with him on Howard Stern and stuff like that, where he talked about it. But um, what I'm, 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 I like it on paper. The problem is, is that the writing for SNL this year is, and we've talked about this before. The writing has been so bad this year that I don't trust the crew that they have um, to, to do that episode justice. And um, I think they're going to rely on a lot of his old mm-hmm. characters. I think we're going to see Opera Man. I think we're going to see him sing some sort of song. I mean, you, we're going to see a lot of that stuff. And I think we also, at the same time, I'm also giddy over the fact that we might get some like David Spade returns and like from his crew, like and Chris Rock might come like back. That. Who yeah. knows? Schneider. Yeah, it'd be like, great if he just guys. brought his whole crew and, of the people that are in like uh, Adam Sandler movies. You know what I mean? Where when you know right. say what you will about adam sandler movies but like all the people that are in it and make little cameos are great sketch performers and that's where you know their gold is right. that'd be great right i mean a lot of people are down on sandler um i i think some of his stuff is funnier than others but man like there's something behind him that i'm like you got to respect it you got to respect the 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 some level of of artistry and genius that he has and um I'm going to be really interested in that episode. I really am. I, I, but again, I'm, I'm, I'm preparing myself to be like massively disappointed. Because yeah, no. And, and not just you know? only the writing. I mean, but we've always talked about our love for Mr. Show and, you know, behind the scenes of one of our fa- uh, some of our favorite years of Saturday Night Live, Bob Odenkirk was back there. You know what I mean? Writing for SNL along with Conan yeah. O'Brien. And they were willing Conan to O'Brien, go to places that, yeah. that this show is too scared to go. It's like they're they're yeah. playing to a demographic that you know is is more into political humor, more into oh that was funny. Let me watch that again. And less they're less willing to take chances. They're less willing to have those sketches that uh, some of the sketches from like the early nineties, late eighties that are my favorites are the ones that are so off the rails that don't make any sense. That that I keep watching over and over again, and and I keep saying, how did this make it to air? Like massive head wound, Harry with Dana Carvey. I mean, there's just some sketches that you're just like, how did this ever come about? How who thought of this? And the answer is probably you know Conan O'Brien or Bob Odenkirk, who just don't give an f. They're just sitting back there. <laughs> I mean, Robert, Robert Smigel, Smigel brother, right? yeah, I <laughs> just mean... making some crazy lunatic jokes backstage. And also, when you talk about um, you know, the next generation after that, you know, Will Ferrell was always willing to push the boundaries of sanity on Saturday Night Live. But also Chris, right. Kirsten Wig talks about the Friday Funnies. Um, you know, the Friday Funnies mm-hmm. were mm-hmm. when they were in rehearsal and they were delusionally tired, you know, up for four days straight. And some of the funniest sketches like the Californians came about that when Bill Hader and her would be up and, you know, uh, Fred Armisen, they'd be up for four days straight and they just started doing funny accents in front of the whole audience. They started laughing. They're like, all right, we got to write a sketch about this. And they would just improv and go crazy. And that's where SNL is. That's its meat and potatoes. When you see yeah. someone either doing something live and not so on the rails and they just, they need to take this cast and let it fly. But I, someone like Sandler's going to be smothered like that, you know, like where, some of his funniest sketches on SNL are the crazy concepts where you're like, I can't believe this aired. I can't believe this ever aired. Like, like uh, the commercial for Schmidt's gay, 
and you know just some mm-hmm. of the funny mm-hmm. sketches of all time where you're questioning like wow even in 1992 i can't believe this this happened you know michael jordan uh, on a summer's eve commercial <laughs> i can't believe this made it to air right. i don't know that's my thoughts on it well i i think another point that has to be made about sandler is that his best stuff on snl there were two you got, you got two good things from him one was obviously the music right. and the songs he was fantastic but also, he was always best in ensemble sketches. I mean, when we think about some of the funniest stuff that he was in, it was never where he was really by himself. It was with him and Farley. It was him and Phil Hartman. It was him and Spade and Kevin Nealon and all those guys. And the problem with this cast that you have now is that there really isn't a strong player, with maybe the exception of a couple, that can really be at Sandler's level where he can shine the way he used to. Uh, with these right. guys, I, so, I was just thinking of you know and, one of the ske- one of the sketches where he's like the lead is the Denise show with Shannon Doherty, where he's on air talking about his ex girlfriend. Yeah. But it's still one of the funniest, brilliant parts of that sketch is Phil Hartman on voiceover going, "Brian, this is your father." Like it's like one of the funniest things of all time. <laughs> you don't know me? Oh my god, it's one of the funniest things ever. <laughs> but yeah, I mean that's the that's the thing where you 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 nailed it. I mean these writers. Uh, this is also a different era where because of Twitter, we can look up who the writers are and see what their personalities are and see what they look like. And it's a young writing team. I mean, it is a young young writing team, very diverse but very young. And I think that's a problem because you're you're only getting a certain brand of humor. You don't have that mix anymore. Um, and playing it safe. Yeah. Right. That's, that might be the other thing too. Maybe we're being a little too harsh on the writers. Maybe, you know, they, they bring things out in that writing room and, you know, whoever the powers that be Lauren or, you know, uh, whoever is the head writer in charge, you know, maybe they shoot these things down because they're like, no way can we ever broadcast that we'd be killed by people on YouTube. We'd lose X amount of sponsors where, you know, back in the day, It'd be you, you know, and, you know, a couple people staying up till 1230 at night to watch 1230 to 1 p.m. Sketches. And those are the sketches that were off the rails. You know what I mean? Like, look at my columns, Mm -hmm. like all those Mm -hmm. like crazy sketches that were just crazy and just weirdo sketches. But they were safe to be on that late because, you know, who's really going to see it? You know, a lot of sketches from that era, you know. I was thinking of the Chris Farley sketch where they switch his coffee to decaf and they have to smash the plates over his head. That sketch makes no sense whatsoever. And it's still one of the funniest things ever committed. Like Chris Farley committed to like film. It's just great. A hundred percent. And I think the problem is that there, there aren't any absurdist comedy uh, comedians on that show. And so you, you don't get those those out there sketches anymore. And what's funny is that like whenever like Howard Stern has like Bill Hader or, or you know some of these old cast members on his show, Stern always asks them like, "Tell me some of the funny stuff that oh, never right. made it to the show." And when they and when they describe the sketches, I'm laughing my ass off because I'm like, that yeah, he had an interview. Amazing. I forget who he had like, an interview Samber, with, and it Samber, was about oh, and maybe it was someone that didn't make it to the show. And oh, was it Johnny Knoxville was hosting? And he came up with an idea for like the pee detective. And so he would <laughs> so, so like, <laughs> they'd be right. like a body and be like, I need to drink his piss to find out who killed him. And Stern is like, that is the funniest thing I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> 
And yet, I mean, there's no way they're going <laughs> right, to exactly. So, yeah, so sad. Oh, it's so sad. I mean, I, I do think it's one of those shows that just needs an overhaul. And um, I don't know if it's a new cast, new writing, new direction, or maybe we just need to be living in a you different You know what? Era. But, knows, you know, at the but, same uh, time, though, Chris, here, I'm thinking of someone that we just had a whole episode about, um, you know, Key and Peele. They were able to go absurd. Yeah. One of my favorite sketches of all time from them. You know, it's it's like maybe a two-minute sketch, and it's the MMA. Um, if you do Key and Peele MMA, you ever seen that? The MMA intro where they're doing – they're arguing no. back and forth. It's one of the funniest things. And, like, you know how, like, they always talk smack against each <clears throat> other before an MMA fight occurs? And right. uh, it, I don't want to spoil it, but it just goes off the rails really quick. Everyone should just pull that up. It's on YouTube. I'll, I'll like it on my page. Well, the – and to your point, I mean, they did another sketch, such a brilliant, simple concept where it's like they did this play on what happens when someone gets upset during like a televised interview and they storm off. And like Jordan Peele's playing this character who's like trying to storm off an interview and he can't right. get his mic off. So he <laughs> right. starts taking off his – and it's freaking hilarious. And it's such a silly, like simple concept. And I'm like that – just that was that was brilliant. So yeah, I don't I, – who knows? Who knows what it is? So um, – Good yeah. stuff, my man. Good stuff. All right, moving on. Um, I just saw this trailer for this new movie coming out, and it's, it brings up an interesting topic. So have you seen the trailer for this new movie called Mary Magdalene? No. So this is um, – obviously it's a, based on the biblical right. you know, person, Mary Magdalene, and her relationship with Jesus, uh, played by uh, oh, okay. Ruby Mara. Yeah. Um, and Jesus is played by Joaquin Phoenix. And I think Chit Chitway Ejifor. I think I, I I butcher his name every time I I say it, but Chit Chitwell Ejifor. Um, I think he's playing either, uh, uh, Pontius Pilate or um. Gosh, I wish I knew my biblical history. Uh, the one who who turns on who betrays Jesus. I can't remember which one it uh, is. Judas. But um. Wow. Judas, thank you. I I, I, I yeah. He's either well, playing. No, I mean, in my head, <laughs> I am not religious as well. I just know. I was called a Brutus. Like I just know Pontius Pilate was uh, David Bowie in Last Temptation of Christ. So <laughs> there you go. <laughs> That's how you know these folks. But anyway, um, so the trailer came out, obviously revealing nothing really new about the, the characters, but already it's generating right. a lot of controversy. Like, like about, Last like, Temptation oh, of Christ. God, That's why I brought that up. Right. Bingo, or you know, the Passion of the Christ, and all this. So one one thing I'm starting to get a little tired of is like people thinking that biblical films are always going to be controversial. <laughs> like why do is there, why, why can't we just have a biblical film and it just, it's a movie and no one, you know, there's, there's not that controversial buzz about it. Like, it just seems like every time there's a biblical movie, people lose their shit and they're like, Oh, how dare you? And I just, I'm like, can we, can we get past this? I don't know. I just, I think, I, I think it's the, you know, I, I hate that we sound like a broken record, but we are living in a different time where, you know, especially our country is so divisive politically and spiritually and everything. We can't just have a movie where like Ben-Hur, where you don't have to be religious to appreciate this epic movie. You know what I mean? Where right. you can watch the Ten Commandments and still be in awe of the cinematic achievements of the Ten Commandments and still appreciate why it won you know, multiple Oscars and be like, my God, that movie's epic. Charlton Heston is epic in that movie. And you can just kind of take it back and watch the, you know, chariot scene from Ben-Hur and know that like two people died during it. And you're just like, this is some real filmmaking at its best. 
where we live in a time where, exactly. the, oh, this represents this and this is the director's political view and that's what he's pushing on us. And let me get on my Twitter and hate on this movie. And, you know, it really bums me out that people can't sit back and just appreciate a film for a film, no matter what the content is, no matter what the message is to I think we have lost we have come to a place where we've lost where people can watch movies and understand the language of a film. You know, like to watch a movie mm -hmm. and understand what a montage is and understand, you know, when a movie has no dialogue, we need to really pay attention because the filmmaker is showing us something visually and vice versa. You know what I mean? Like um, right, right. when we were um, just a couple of weeks ago, I think I was talking about how we watched Clerks for the first time in, in years. And uh, my friend Dan was like, you know, I forgot how how talky that movie is. It's almost like reading it off a script. And he's like, you know, it's in a good way. You know what I mean? Before that movie came out, there wasn't a movie like that almost at all, where that movie is so script heavy. The camera doesn't move for sometimes like seven minutes straight and you know wow. there, i'm thinking of like there's one scene where it's dante and uh veronica sitting in the the video store just talking and you know he and mm -hmm. he's like mm -hmm. but i still that's that's why i love that movie is that's why we watched it over and over and over again and memorized it because you weren't paying attention to the visual storytelling you were you were listening to the audio of the screenplay and i just feel like we've gotten away from that style and where people are, I think people are bombarded by so much content now. It's like, gimme, 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 gimme. I just binge watched uh, 12 hours of this show. And I just, you know, I flipped from HBO to this, to Showtime, to this, to this, to this. And I got like five hours of TV to catch up on. And it's almost like about ingesting the television as opposed to sitting back and going, whoa, this is a, this is a quality piece of filmmaking. So I think we've gotten away from that yeah. and more <clears throat> about, you know, I, I think people sit back inside their heads when they're watching something and they go, okay, I feel a certain way about this, but I'm going to put it out there on Facebook and see what people say when, they, when I, they hit me back, see what kind of take I'm, I'm going to put it out there watching this. And then under the comments, I'll know how to feel with their comments that come back. I, I really feel like people, mm, people ingest media that way. And it's really sad. It's really sad in that way, you know? hundred percent, a hundred percent agree with you, sir. I, yeah, no, it's, I, I, I think social media has definitely done something to the society about how we react to things and consume things. I think it's also created a lot of fear. Like I know that like, even myself, like <clears throat> as much as I can't stand it, like before I post something on social media, I'm thinking about the reaction that I'm going to get. Like, should I post this? Should I not? Um, Ooh, I, I, you know, are people going to be offended by it? I mean, it's crazy, but I mean, the other problem too is when you have people, you know, losing jobs over social right. media posts and stuff like that. So, again, yeah, it's just it's it, we're living this really weird, crazy time when it comes to social media and and how it's how it's really made us react to things differently. And you know, when you've got a movie like Mary Magdalene coming out, it's it's going to generate this just swell of opinions. And I don't know, it's just like it's once again here's another Bible movie that's just going to stir up controversy and make people talk. And especially in 2019, it's going to be uh well, like crazy. I, I always appreciate so, we'll like see. you know my kind of upbringing in film and you know the classes I took in college and you know the amount of <clears throat> film I ingested as a kid. So I I have this baseline of film knowledge in my head or film language in my head 
where I can appreciate something and then share that opinion on Facebook. Even if like everyone hated mm, it, you know tough. what I mean? Like yeah. one of my, one of my hot takes from the show is uh, I really love the movie Mandy from last year. And I know that not everyone would like that movie at all, but I just know myself. I know my likes and dislikes and I know when something sticks in my head and I know like, I like, I like showing off certain kinds of movies to my friends. You know what I mean? And there's mm. certain kind of movies like yeah. I love showing David Lynch to my friends, especially people that haven't seen David Lynch, like a Blue Velvet or Wild at Heart. I love showing that, you know, and because I see people's brains kind of flip while they're watching it. And so it's that kind of mm -hmm. language that plays in my head that ha that helps me get have an opinion about something. And I'm not scared to share that opinion on Facebook. And I might get a bunch of people like, oh, this bullshit. I don't know what you're talking about. But you know what? I know what I like. And that's it. So I, mm. I think we're we're I like it, man. getting back to our like our other topic. You know, maybe the writers on SNL are too much in their heads. They've gone away from like, oh, this is funny, as opposed to I wonder if everyone right. thinks this is funny. I'm going to write it like that. You know, one of those things. Yeah, it's a good point. It's a good point. Yeah, no, I'm totally with you. Um, what right, else you um, got this week? And speaking of things that I just like that not a lot of people like. Um, Rob Zombie shares a new shot of Otis from Three from Hell, which is now almost finished. Uh, this is from Bloody Disgusting. Oh. So this is um, the third uh, in the trilogy from uh, House of a Thousand Corpses. And um, I saw actually Rob Zombie and Marilyn Manson just on a whim last summer. This was like, I say it was like early August and uh, one of my friends up here had an extra ticket and said, Hey man, if you can get here, I got an extra ticket. Why don't you come up and see Manson and zombie? And you know, uh, I'm not really a big Marilyn Manson fan, um, but I do know a lot of zombie zombie apparently in my head. <laughs> so um, from like, <laughs> you know, 15 years ago or whatever the hell it was. And I knew almost all the words to all the songs, but one of the highlights, there was a couple highlights from the show and it was, um, Rob went off stage for a second and showed a really quick teaser trailer from thir three from hell, which is the third movie in this trilogy Ooh. had, you know, Otis and captain howdy and Sherry moon zombie in the trailer, all of them being filmed and stuff. Nice. And, um, in this little quick interview they had on the, on this article, he said that, you know, the reason why it took so long is they just wanted to get it right. You know, this has been a lot of buildup for the third one in this trilogy. You know, if you talk to people that, when the f the first time I saw House of a Thousand Corpses was in a little dingy theater in Syracuse, and I was just blown away, you know, by mm. the um, the style of it and the references to older movies that they were making and the cast and everything. And then the second one, how he switched kind of styles and still the cast from all these different places. It had Peter from Dawn of the Dead in it, and I, just a great flick. So I can't wait to see where he goes with this and. You know, there's a guy that, you know, has yeah. been unwavering in what he likes, what he likes creating, and he really doesn't care if people like it or not. So kind of cool that he's still out there doing his thing. No, definitely. I mean, he's one of the most, I, I guess you could, I don't know how, the right word to describe it, but it's, he's polarizing. Right. Um, but what I love about it is that his movies always are interesting and we can, you know, people could debate the quality and say, okay, is this a good movie or bad movie and, and his take on things but like you're always going to be invested you're always going to be interested there's going to be things about it that are going to be disturbing that are going to stay with you um 
And I, I, I like that about directors. I like directors that take those chances. And we, when we talk about people, you know, we talk about people that don't take chances. Rob Zombie takes chances. He rolls dices, uh, dice. And I like that. I really do. So anytime I hear his name attached to anything, I'm like, okay, I know I'm going to be in for a ride. I don't know where right. it's going. I don't know how extreme it's going to be, but let's let's go. Let's go. Yeah. Let's buckle as, in. as Alejandro Jodworski once said, you know, some filmmakers make movies with their guts. I make movies with my balls. <laughs> <laughs> I think he said quote. testicles, but, you know, I, I you know, paraphrase. <laughs> You're right. I'm paraphrasing. But I got to tell you, like, I mean, I think that there's, there's definitely directors that have lost their touch um, who maybe – like you said earlier, maybe got inside their head a little too much and they almost became parodies of themselves. I mean, Brian De Palma is a good example of that where like he just hasn't made a good movie in a while. And, but with someone like zombie, I mean, he can keep reinventing himself. He can keep trying new things. Or Steven Soderbergh is is that way too, you know, who just came out with a movie that just was shot on an iPhone, you know what I mean? Or something like that. Trying different things. Exactly. I mean, I don't think, I don't think Rob Zombie would ever do this, but I would love to see him do like a romantic comedy just to fuck with people's heads and be like, oh, you know, like, like uh, you know, 10 first dates directed by Rob Zombie. Like, it's yeah, you never know. It could be like heads. two horror movie fans falling in love or something like that or Comic-Con <laughs> exactly. love or something like that. I don't know. I could see him getting behind like, that. Give me like Hugh Grant, Hugh Grant and Drew Barrymore starring in a romantic comedy directed by Rob Zombie and I will be like, what? <laughs> They're all goth <laughs> like, out and stuff like, like that. It'd be great. Exactly. I'm there. I'm there. So yeah, no, I, I, I love it. And, and again, I think th- those movies, a lot of people like to debate how good they are. I, I'm like, look, they're, they're interesting and you're, you're going to be entertained. You're going to be shocked. And that's, that's what, you, what want. you want. That's what we're so, signing up for. Yep. I love it. I love it. Good stuff, man. All right. I got a fun one for you. I don't know if you've seen this on Twitter. There's a new meme or Twitter thing that's going around hashtag. Uh, it's called St. Louis style. No. Have you heard about this? What is St. Louis style? Okay, so, so <laughs> this is this is why I love Twitter. So uh I think it was last week, a guy put a post on Twitter like, hey, I'm having some bagels, quote unquote, St. Louis style. Looks delicious. And the way that the bagels were sliced, they were sliced vertically into like so you know how you when you take a bagel and you slice right. it down the middle, like and like that's how everybody eats their bagels. This guy Ordered his bagels sliced vertically. So imagine like how we cut I'm, a banana. I'm looking at it right now. Like that's how. Why would you do that? So why why like would you do bagel, something like that? Like bagel, right? Bagel chips, if you will. Like bagel like toast or something. Well, it's very odd. It's disconcerting. Yeah. It's it's awful. It's the it's it's, it's disturbing. Uh, <laughs> well, thankfully, thankfully, Twitter has responded. With some of the best things I've ever seen where people are basically making fun of this saying like, I don't know what makes this St. Louis style, first of all, but if it is, let's, let's just do things, ridiculous things. So this one guy posted a PB&J sandwich, but like with the opposite, like, so the PB&J and jelly were out on the outside. And like, um, someone's, you know, someone put ketchup on their spaghetti saying, I'm having spaghetti St. Louis style. Like it's, it's really fantastic. So folks, if you want a good laugh, uh, do that. Uh, but Ben, the question yeah. I wanted to ask you was, is there any food that you eat, I guess you could say, that you think is different than the normal well, way it's supposed to be eaten? You know. Like, do you do any St. Louis style things? I was always, uh, you know, there's this movie that I've seen quite a bit. I don't know if people are familiar with it. Uh, it's called Cobra with Sylvester Stallone. 
and uh, the yeah. opening scene, he sit, he goes home. Well, not the opening scene after he kills the guy in the grocery store, but when he goes home after that, uh, he eats his pizza with scissors. And I always just it really creeped me out. <laughs> it kind of reminds me of St. Louis style. <laughs> exactly what you're talking about. He eats his pizza St. Louis style. <laughs> oh gosh! I mean. I fold my pizza. No, like, no, that's, gotta, that's like a natural gotta, thing. Like, it's got to be on YouTube for like a fifteen-second clip, and he just—he's chopping it. So he like opens the box, takes the slice out in his hand. So you know, you're asking yourself, just put the slice in your mouth. But then he takes it and he cuts it in half, and then eats the bottom triangle. And it's not like he cuts hmm. along the crust. I, I mean, I've studied the scene quite a bit. It's only 10 seconds, but he, he cuts just maybe like the lower one third of it and then eats that. I believe he's wearing fingerless gloves oh while he does gosh. it. So it's it's a whole thing. Well, you have to. <laughs> you have to. I mean, it was. So that's something I can oh say. It's like, <laughs> I mean, I don't do it's like when I see people eating like an it's like that that trope where you see like a guy eating an apple but with a knife like he's slicing. Oh, like, was it? Maybe uh, that's an answer oh, to that. Didn't one of Elaine's bosses on Seinfeld eat uh, a Snickers bar with a, a fork and a knife? <laughs> yes, he did. <laughs> oh man! So needless to say, folks, St. Louis style. St. Louis style. Like All that's right. a good. That's the thing. Like, hey, I'm just going to eat weird today and St. Louis style. <laughs> but yeah, if you have a chance, like go on Twitter, Instagram, just look up St. Louis style and you will have a blast. That is that was great. That was people, great. All right. Uh, for, that was excellent. For my number four, and we got to talk about uh, the movie Cobra. That was always awesome. Um, exactly. So for my number four, um, it's about a new podcast coming out um, called 3D Escape Room. Have you heard about this? Ooh, and no. it's a um, almost choose your own adventure audio book. And I'm not sure how the technology works yet, but it, it's, you know, definitely based on choose your own adventure style books from like the 80s when we were kids. Mm -hmm. And then also yep. um, the new mm -hmm. Netflix. Um, uh, what's the what's that? Uh, the Bandersnatch thing that came out on Netflix. Black oh, Mirror episode, Black Mirror and, episode, uh, yeah. which was really cool. And um, I'm not sure how this technology will work. You know what I mean? How you click on mm -hmm. the podcast and choose it your own way. But I hear it's going to be kind of like a, an escape room. You have to pick different ways to get out of the escape room, almost like old timey radio podcast or old time radio kind of style. And then you have to get out of the room. And so I just love when I hear people trying to use this technology we have in our hands. We all have these digital devices and people trying to do different things. I thought Bandersnatch was a great experiment. I thought it was really fun. I never completed it because I ended up falling off a roof or something like that. But um, Chris, what do you think about that? I'm all for it, honestly. I mean, I remember um, my wife and I sat down and watching Bandersnatch, not really knowing what we were getting into. And halfway through, I'm like, oh my God, yeah. this is the greatest thing ever. And um I'm all for it. I mean, I, and it's funny because I loved choose your own adventure books when I was a kid. So I was like, this is like the best thing ever. And, um, but yeah, no, as a podcast, I, I don't know how that's going to work, but you know what? Like, that's interesting to me. And I think you, you nailed it in this age where we were in this like instant gratification mode. This is like the perfect answer to that. It's like, you, you want, you want to get to the, 
you know, the, the finish line quicker, like, go ahead, make a choice. Let's yeah, see it's happens. great. <laughs> so um, I, I think, I don't know how far in terms of where can we go with this. I think it works definitely in Netflix format. Obviously, I don't think you can do it in a movie theater situation, but um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I'm all for it. So I, a choose your own adventure style podcast. That's, that yeah, the, sounds um, really fast. The uh, articles and, off Geek Tyrant, um, they have um, like a little blurb, like either a press release or a little kind of uh, blurb, you know, escape. It says escape rooms are booming in popularity with approximately 3000 live rooms worldwide. And for those who have yet to have an opportunity to try one, this free podcast requires only a pair of headphones and can be played either solo or in a group. The audio-based puzzles also provide a fresh challenge for even the most seasoned escaped room enthusiast. It features over 20 voice actors and wow. will be released full on April 8th. There you go. I like it. And not to disappoint our listeners, but we will never be doing that on this podcast. <laughs> so I'm going I'm to leave that tech to you know other what? people. I think Ben <laughs> should have liked the Grease prequel. I'm going to change his mind right now. <laughs> 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 exactly. <laughs> so folks if you if you want ben to like the grease people that'd be great and like <laughs> it's not that we'd pre-record it almost like we'd have like the happy happy joy helmets on and you just give us a little shock when uh, <laughs> we said something to your disliking <laughs> oh my gosh that'd be phenomenal <laughs> that's amazing that's amazing all right so for my last five pick I got an interesting thing here. Um, there's a show on Showtime. Ben, I don't know if you've seen it. Have you seen it? It's a show called Action. No, no, not at all. And I have Showtime right now. So, so it's, awesome. it, it's, yeah, so it's, it's a, it's not really, I wouldn't call it a reality show. It's more like a docu-series that goes into high stakes uh, sports gambling. <gasps> oh, I saw the trailer and for this. Is it coming out like again or something like that? Been, is it season two or something like that? It's okay. It's season one. Uh, okay. Because they were episodes, talking about sports betting the on the trailer, one, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it's all about like it shows like you know the 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 highs and lows of of sports gambling. It's phenomenal. Okay, I'm gonna check that out right away. That's um, awesome. That's on the top of my list. And and oh, it's amazing. And people, I've I've read a couple of reviews on it, and some people are saying that like it romanticizes it, and other people are saying no, this is actually how it really is, and stuff like that. And for someone like myself who is a gambler, um, I'm not a sports gambler. I, I play a lot of poker. Um, it, it's accurate. It, it does a great job of, of showing the, really the highs and lows, like what happens when you're doing well and what happens when you do really, really poorly. And um, I don't know. I, I, I just wanted to bring it up because it, it's such a great show. Um, ben, have you are you have you ever bet on sports? Are you well, are you into that? Uh, I have only a couple times when I went to Vegas uh, a bunch of years ago, because as we know, sports gambling is illegal still. Um, I, I've had yeah. friends that have had bookies before. The whole practice sounds really sketchy, um, and they've been stiff before by bookies and yada yada yada. But um, actually, mm -hmm. regionally up in Central New York, uh, maybe my God. 10 miles from my house, there's going to be a full on sports book put in and sponsored by the casino. That's right next to my house, the turning stone. And then oh open God. vice, I believe it's Caesars is helping them develop their own sports book. So um, if it runs exactly like the way Vegas sports books run, I believe it's $5 minimum bet. 
And so you can bet on a five, you know, a, a three hour baseball game for five minimum dollar bet. And uh, it's kind of, I don't know, enthralling. I, you, listen, I, I probably should say no to gambling. I probably should not be advocating for it. I mean, but listen, I'm the type of gambler that I lose $20 and I never go back to the casino for two months. <laughs> I flog myself with a whip because <laughs> I hate myself. And I'm like, I could have bought so many things with that $20. So, um, you know what? I, I am that kind of gambling. Like I like betting on the ponies and all that stuff, that kind of thrilling $2 bet kind of gambling is fun. And I, I don't see any problem with it. I mean, Legal gambling has been around in the UK, for instance, for a long time. That's why people are fanatics with soccer and all that stuff, because they have a lot of money riding on it. Mm-hmm. I mean, not to mention that they are just, you know, soccer hooligans in general. Um, but uh, right. what are your thoughts on gambling and what are your thoughts on, like, the ethics of gambling? And, and you know, uh, there's been a lot more casinos popping up in our region, a lot more. And I know there's a couple more in Connecticut mm-hmm, your mm-hmm. way too. What do you think about all that? Well, I'll, I'll be honest with you. As someone who adores Vegas, I've been there almost once a year for quite a mm-hmm. while now. Because uh, thankfully my company, you know. Let me know Vegas next time for, you're there. I'll come meet you out. Business. That'll be a blast. Dude. It's look, on. It's, it's, I'll, all I'll right. tell you the date. Nice. Yeah, it's on. Um, four day trip on me. Um, so it's, it's one of those things where no one – no one is holding a gun to anybody's head to start gambling. It's a, it's a choice. It's, uh, you know, it's something that people, you know, you have to get into, um, to, to be able to become an, you know, to get into it, so to speak. It's not like a, it's not like a daily, you know, chore that everybody does, right. so to speak. So, um, when people talk about the dangers of it and stuff like that, I, my, my first response is always like, look, you made a conscious choice to enter the casino. You made a conscious choice to start placing bets and things like that. What happens after that is, you know, it all comes back to that initial choice. However, what I will say is that if for anybody out there who has even a remotely mild addictive personality, like, Hey, I really like drinking pumpkin spice lattes every single year on this such and such date. You are the perfect person for casinos. Like that's who they're looking for because you will get addicted to the feeling of winning. And when you win, you start thinking about the possibilities. I mean, you you mentioned it before where you said, like, if I lose 20 bucks, I start thinking about all the things I could have spent on that. Um, for a gambler, if I win 20 bucks, I'm starting to think about, this is great, but what happens if I win 100? What happens when I win 200? Um, and then when you start rationalizing your winning, saying, okay, I spent $10 to get here, so I got to win 30 to make a profit, and I bought a pizza too, so that's going to take another thing out of my, so I got to win 10 more. That's when it gets dangerous. And, you know, I, I think gambling is one of those things that unless you really make a full commitment to become a full-time gambler or, you know, professional, you know, poker player or professional sports better or something like that, um, you just have to be really careful about moderation. And I think with sports gambling now becoming this big market legally in this country um, with, you know, New Jersey and, you know, all these other states starting to, you know, legalize it. Um, you're going to see that a lot where people who normally would never think about putting a thousand dollars on a, on a football Sunday are all of a sudden going to start doing that kind of stuff because they, they think about what could possibly happen, you know, and it's just, 
you know, and, and again, when we talk about today being a, a social media society, like think about all the attention I'm going to get when I post this on Twitter. Like I just won $16,000 on, on a Sunday and stuff like that. Oh, that's so true like, too. Be, I didn't think about that aspect of it, that, that kind of social media aspect of it. That's really interesting. I mean, you know, when you're at, at Foxwoods or Morhegan Sun in, here in Connecticut, and let's say you hit a jackpot of sometimes it's only like 1200 bucks. Um, they come out and they take it, they give you like this big giant check and they take your picture and they put it on Facebook or they put it on Twitter. And that's like, you know, it's, it's the first thing that they do because they want to broadcast that, you know, winners happen here. So you, you get that instant, you know, almost fame in a way, in a way or attention. So that also becomes addicted too. So it's, it's interesting. Well, what I, mean, I, what I know about, I mean, those, those are all really good points and you know, the, the aspects of different types of gambling are something that I know a little bit about. Um, that's not really my, mm-hmm. <clears throat> my focus in my credentialing, but I do know that, you know, like Kino horses, sports gambling is closer to cocaine addiction than anything. Cause it's more quick really? hits. You know what I mean? It's more long play, yes. quick hits yes. where the hypnotics opiate kind of thing would be a slot machine <laughs> would be a, the long drawn mm-hmm. out thing. And, you know, if you think about even in Vegas, Chris, when you go to a place like New York, New York, or even down on the downtown strip in the Gold Nugget or something like that, a place that has a little sports book, the sports books and the 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 racing books, they don't really have a lot of people there. You know what I mean? For the most part, yeah, unless there's like yeah. a giant fight on or there's a giant game on, that place is probably packed. But for the most part, there's not a lot of people there. It's sporadic gambling. You know what I mean? Because you can place a bet on a a three-hour baseball game. I I still think that the bread and butter of the casino will always be slot machines, will always be them. Even table games are a little more sporadic than those. They're they're betting on high rollers Mm -hmm. with with table games, where slot machines, they want to pack as many people – tightly together with flashing lights and and the studies that they've put out with flashing lights and music like there's a great study about um i don't know how far down this uh rabbit hole we're going but <laughs> there's a great study that um they had this rat uh in a uh, cage and they had like a little lever and this one lever gave one pellet out and then this other lever sometimes gave no pellets or two and the rat almost always went mm-hmm. for the one like one, 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 one. He knows he's going to get one. They introduced flashing lights and music into the cage, and the rat went for the zero or two lever. And it proved that flashing lights and music make us gamble more. <laughs> yeah. And no, so there's all these little studies, that, you know, why they crowd machines together so tight while you're almost shoulder to shoulder is because we, we're not drawn to the machines that are in the corner by themselves. You have just as many chances to win on those machines, but you think that you'll catch someone's lucky streak by sitting next to them is insanity. And when you have that kind of gambling bug inside your head, you're going to rely on superstition and a feeling, a gut feeling and all those things. And unless you're like a true kind of gambler that knows, you know, odds, percentages and all those things, you know, people that we watch on Poker After Dark or something like that, where they know the odds of, you know, king queen versus ace five like they know that stuff and you know what their outs are and stuff you're going to be relying on superstition and ritual every single time yeah definitely and you know i think the thing too is that there's this big argument out there where what's a game of chance and what's a Mm -hmm. game of skill Mm -hmm. and i think when 
with blackjack, with roulette, with slot machines, it's a game of luck. I mean, it's all in the cards. It's all in the spin. You know, you never know what's going to happen. But and, and therefore, if I go and sit down at a slot machine and I lose 50 bucks, I don't have as much of a problem with that as I do with, per se, poker or sports betting because there is a, a skill, skill right. in that. You know, and with these sports bettors, and they go in, I'm, I'm really excited for you to see action. They talk about their method. They talk about the preparation that they do and things like that. So when it comes to a bad day where they lose, it's an it's almost an extra kick in the the nuts because they've done all this pre-work and thought that they had an edge and stuff like that. And um, it that's that's where the destruction comes from. But you know, as opposed to playing a slot machine. So it's it's really interesting to see how this all kind of translates. But I mean, what people got to know is when you walk into a casino, the odds are already against you, not only statistically, but I mean, you're already losing because there's they're, they're pumping pure oxygen in that thing. So you're not going to get tired. You're never going to feel hunger in a, in a casino. I don't know oh, if yeah. you knew this, but oh, yeah. like, you'll never, like you'll, you, you'll never get that sensation. I got to eat right now. Um, there are no clocks in a casino. You'll never know what time yeah, it is. Yeah, no, and no windows at your really, phone or your unless you no wi- windows, no windows to the gaming floor, so you never know that it's daylight or nighttime. Exactly. I have I have sat down at a poker table at Foxwoods for seventeen straight hours, and it felt like three. Like I had no idea how long I had been there, and so um, they they got you. Like they they know how to get you in there. So, folks, just be careful. Gamble responsibly. That's, yeah. That's uh, yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, what's interesting, I mean, more importantly, uh, I don't know. I mean, when I was a kid in Meriden, Connecticut, we didn't have a casino close to us at all. Um, and it's going to be really interesting being the parent to a child who has a casino five minutes from their house, especially when they're 16, 17, 18. Yeah. When you get a car, especially in this region, there's really nothing to do up here as a 16, 17, 18 year old, except for like, Go to the casino or make out with chicks on the hill or something like that. Um, so it's going to be really interesting having this like pleasure dome <laughs> five minutes from your face where you can easily go in there, right. walk the floor. You might not be able to gamble, might not be able to drink, quote unquote. But I bet you, you know, if you're a six foot three, 16 year old, you know, driving grandpa's Chevy Lumina, you might get served one now and then and you might take advantage of that. So it's going to be really interesting being a parent around open sports book open you know all these different casinos around and that's that's really yeah that's really like the message out there is when i talk to my people too it's like guys when i talk to you about you know psychoeducational with addiction and gambling it's not about us it's too late for us we've already done everything and gone everywhere it's more about the kids and your nephews and nieces and grandkids like how are you going to tell them that this is a bad thing when it's right down the street from you and it employs like 5,000 right. people in feel? the I, area. I get, yeah. Exactly. I got, I have four within an hour's drive from my house. It takes me 20 minutes to get to Mohegan, 30 minutes to get to Foxwoods. It's going to take me about 40 minutes to get to the new one in Springfield, Massachusetts. I mean, it's like. Now, now don't get me wrong. I mean, <laughs> like I, I'm it, not casino bashing at all. And like a lot of people do up here. No, and, no, not at all. Because I don't have that thing in me. I don't have that gambling thing in me. Like I can walk into that casino, take advantage of the cheap food and leave like almost every time like they they actually opened like a new um kind of um food court there you know what i mean that has like tacos 
uh, Chinese. Yeah. And, and you get out of there with 10 bucks and you get like a full burger. Or you'll get like pizza. It's freaking awesome. And sometimes I'll roll over there for lunch or I'll roll there with the kiddo and I'll just order one thing of Chinese and it feeds us and we have leftovers. And I'm like, dude, let's get out of here. And it's, it's freaking awesome. And so if you know how to take advantage of the system and not gamble your mortgage away, you know, so be it. Yeah, totally. Well, like, you know, Mohegan just did the same thing. They opened a Pepe's yeah. pizza in there. So as opposed to, you know, we live in East Haddam, as opposed to driving almost an hour to get back to New Haven, I can drive 20 minutes down the road to go to Mohegan Sun and get a Pepe's pizza. And it's at the casino. So it's like, again, you're, you're just, you're putting yourself in an interesting position there. So um, yeah, we'll see. But it's, it's, it's a lifestyle. And I, I hope when you see action that, you know, you enjoy it as much as I did because it's, it's really interesting. Really interesting. interesting. That's think, on the top of my list. I think the season finale was, yeah, I think the season finale was just this past Sunday. So, um, you know, if you have, I don't know if you have a Hulu subscription or whatnot, but you said you have. Yeah, I got it right, right now. now. Yeah. And actually, um, um, I was, I haven't worked our way into it in the podcast, but I have, um, showtime of course to watch billions. And then I watched that escape at Denimora too. And that was fabulous as well. Yeah, that I got to get on that too. That was That's great, thing, Chris. Right? It's only, I think it's only eight episodes. Just jump on it, dude. You'll love it. It's phenomenal. Phenomenal. All right, sir, what do you got number for number five? Number five is something that we've been uh, pushing off probably for a couple of weeks now, Chris, and we just need to talk mm. about. Um, I'll give you the article, but it doesn't matter. Uh, it's from Yahoo Sports, MLB, oh, no. Red Sox News. Three reasons why the Red Sox have started the started worse than any World Series champion since 1998. Do you want to talk about the Red Sox at all this year? Let's all do right. it. Let's jump in. Uh, Tear the band Because I watched the, the ring ceremony today, right? I watched them win uh, 1-0 on Sunday night. I'm like, all right, you know what? Let's, you know, I was getting the dust off. Everyone's a little sore. And then I watched Chris Sale give up uh, five earned runs today. And watch the Toronto Blue Jay steal home plate. <laughs> yeah, like something that happened uh, last year, like once. And uh, I, they're like asleep at the wheel. I mean, I they threatened at the end of the game. I was watching with the kiddo. It was like 5-7. They had like two guys on. I was like, all right, here we go. And then they just popped out and ended the game. It was just, they just fizzled. <laughs> so what are, I know it's early in the season. But early in the season is when I kind of get rallied up for the rest of the season. And what are your thoughts on the Red Sox? It's almost the same exact team, like plus or minus like one or two. It's the same guys that won 108 games in the regular season, just kicked ass in the World Series, kicked ass in the post. And here we are just I don't even know yeah. what, how to describe it. What, well, what are your I thoughts? Mean, I think there is such thing as a postseason hangover. I, that, that it exists. I think okay. when when you've achieved what your mission was uh, to try to to re up and and get amped again for the next year, it's it, it's a challenge. I think it's like yeah, we won the World Series for some of these guys. This was like their their lifelong achievement, and then the goal becomes to repeat. I guess like yeah, it'd be great if we go back, but like you know, it's it's different than a team that maybe had reached the world series and didn't win, you know, and things like that. So like that mentality is different. Um, and it, it really isn't, it, it's, you need certain types of players in that clubhouse that say can, it can reiterate to the entire team. Last year was last year. Let's concentrate on this year. Let's go. And um, 
And I think when you add that into a, a what, 162 game series uh, season, like that's tough to do with football. You can do it. Cause there's only 16 games. Like you gotta, you gotta re up. Let's go. Right. Yeah. And right. week to week, you can just reset. You know what I mean? Like right. we only got eight left. But with boys, baseball, it's like, you know, I guess maybe we'll get right, into right. it July 4th or, you know, it's like, uh, I don't, I don't know. And so <laughs> it's, it's definitely frustrating as a Red Sox fan, like watching this, but at the same time as a Red Sox fan, I'm like, you know what? Like, we just won the world series. I'm like, it's our third one in my lifetime, which I never thought I would say in my life. Like, it's like, it's weird. Fourth one. Oh my gosh. Fourth one. Fourth one. Even better. (laughs) Sorry. I I was doing some math. I've seen more world series, (laughs) Boston Red Sox world series, uh, than my, my grandfather had. And that's like crazy to, to say out loud. And, um, and as a, as a overall, and the other thing too, is when you think about the fandom, if you're a Boston Red Sox fan, chances are you're a fan of almost all the Boston area sports teams. So like, like we have been spoiled. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, there was a, there was a great joke saying like, I yeah, think we have. on Twitter when the Patriots won the Super Bowl, someone was like, thank God. Cause it's been like 19 months since our last parade. <laughs> like what was it going to do? Um, like it, <clears throat> or 94 weeks or something like that. It's exactly. Like some, some ridiculous statistics. So again, it's just, I think we're in this weird thing where um, I'm, I'm strangely, I, I hate the fact that they're three and eight or three and nine. Um, but at the same time, I'm like, it's, it's, it's okay. It's like, it's still, you know, April. <laughs> I'm finding ways to justify it, but you know, <clears throat> <laughs> what, at what time, at what time do you get nervous? What time of the season do you get nervous? You know, I gotta be honest. My birthday, like June, <clears throat> my all-star break, all-star, my birthday is June all-star break, right? Like, that's a good point for where yeah. I start, to, I, I start to get nervous. And the the problem that I have with this team is that typically they follow the same type of trend. Like they either start hot or they get hot. And like, I know we're, I know knock on wood. I, I know like later in the season, they're going to go on a run. Um, but I mean, is it going to come too early? Is it going to come too late? I know sale is going to break down by probably like at the end of August, they're going to put a, start putting them on rest and things like that. But it's like, I don't know. It's weird. Like I, I, that, that whole thing about having a five-year grace period with some of these teams where it's like, okay, in five years, I'll start really worrying about it or something like that. Like it's, 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 there's some truth in that with the, with the Red Sox. So yeah, it's crazy. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. These players that just seemed Mm -hmm. invincible last year, you know, it makes me really appreciate last year. Like whenever someone would step to the plate, especially like, Mookie or Xander or any of those guys or even freaking JD freaking Martinez, they just seem like to, uh, oh, we're down by one. We got this. Right. And they would do it. It was almost like you willed it with your mind. <laughs> Speaking of ritual and superstition, it was almost like you willed it to to reality. I mean, this coming from someone that went with uh, my friend Greg to see Xander Bogart's walk off mm. Grand Slam of the 10th at Fenway. I it was just a miracle season. And maybe this that last season was so good and we just didn't realize what we were watching. Like, <clears throat> there's always – especially with the Red Sox, there always has to be a grit. There always has to be a us again, cowboy up, gang of a idiots. A cowboy up, gang of us idiots against kind the of world thing. type right. of mentality for this team to win. They're, like this team is different than let's say like the, the Lakers of the 80s where it's like showtime and stuff like that. Like no no, it's a gr- they they are the best when no one believes in them. They're grungy, they're they're fighting for each other, and when you win a championship, 
that's tough to do. And if you think about it, like every single year that we win the World Series, the next year is not not great. Like 05 was not a great season, um, you know, and things like that. So no. because I think once you get to that mountain, when the team achieves, then you start thinking about individual accomplishments and guys start thinking about getting paid. And, you know, Xander Bogart's got this ridiculous deal. And um, now with with Mike Trout and Bryce Harper, I mean, God knows what Mookie Betts is going to get, you know, and things like that. And I think that plays into the mentality. So it's baseball is an interesting sport like that. It's like it's unlike any other professional sport out there. And I think it has to do with the length of the season, the size of the team. You've got a lot of elements on there. You've got an offense. You've got a defense. You've got a bullpen, starting pitchers. I mean, there's so many different things that have to be firing all these cylinders. And none of them are firing right for the Red Sox right now. So. <laughs> no, no, not at all. And I mean, and there's been articles on those giant contracts that just went through, you know, uh, speaking of Chris Sale today, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Who just got his extension. Xander got his extension. Mookie, uh, you know, hopefully they'll tie him up because he's a great player. You know what I mean? Uh, I'm kind of hating on Mookie so much, but I can because I am I am a, a real Sox right. fan. I'm not just like a fair weather fan that just starts watching in August. I, I watch I'm I'm I have the I had the TV on before we started the podcast watching <laughs> freaking the Dodgers. And for the past three years or so, I've been really getting into like East Coast and West Coast teams. And maybe it's because of fantasy baseball. My friend Vinny from Elmira really got me into fantasy baseball. I'm like totally into it. And I don't know. There's something about the sport of baseball. And I love, you know, when people get on these things, I, I brought up the article about the split season and, and fixing the sport. I don't really care for that because I like it the way it is. Don't change it. I mean, I love Cooperstown. My dad was just in Cooperstown today. Mm. And, you know, it's kind of like an altar for me. So when I kind of hate on the socks, it's because I'm, and, I mean, I'm, I'm kind I, of a diehard too. I think that's something too. to be, you know, admired in a way. Like, you know, it's like, and for, with, when it comes to the Red Sox, I mean, we know a Fairweather fan when we see one. And I, I think this team, it just, there's, yep. there's a devotion that's very rare in professional sports. I think maybe only a couple other teams and cities really have it. Um, but it's, again, it's strange where like, I'm not, I mean, me personally, I'm not like, you know, worry. I'm not panicking yet. <laughs> like, despite it. Yeah. Um, the other thing I. Okay, good. Yeah. And speaking of fair weather fans, like up here, like being in New oh, York, yeah, totally. I can tell when there's a fair weather Yankees fan too. A fair weather Yankees fan for mm. me doesn't know the Red Sox lineup. I'm going to say that I know I probably could list five or six players on the regular lineup of the Yankees right now being a Red Sox fan because you know absolutely you have to know your enemy as that De La Rocha says you have to know your enemy <laughs> and so if you don't know the Red Sox then you're not a true Yankees fan you know what I mean and vice versa and that just goes to your point is there's only a couple things in sports like that where you need to know the lineup of mm-hmm. the opposing team and I and hopefully this is spurring us on to a great season of Yankees and Sox because I think next week, starting Wednesday, Thursday or something like that, or Tuesday, Wednesday, we have our first two game series with the Yanks and it's going to be great. I, I, I think it really is. I think it's, it really is. If the, they the beat catalyst. us down like terribly, which it yeah. might be because well, it's looking I mean, like again, that. I think <laughs> it's just, it's, it's really interesting where I, I hardly follow anybody on, on, like in terms of like athletes and sports teams on Twitter and Instagram, but I follow the Yankees 
and I'm a Red Sox fan because I, like you just said, know that, know thy enemy, know what they're up to. Interesting. Find out what they're up Interesting. To. I'm going to tell you a quick story though, before yep. we move on. Um, so back when I was working for another school yeah, called yeah. SUNY Purchase and they're based in White Plains, New York. Um, SUNY Purchase was lucky enough to have the only Starbucks really in like a five to 10 mile radius of that area. And if anybody knows the White Plains Harrison area, it's mansions, like the super rich live in that area. And every single morning on the dot at 7.35, 7.45, I would see Joe Girardi in that Starbucks, um, sipping his coffee, getting his coffee. Like he would, he'd be um, just coming back from taking his kids to school and he'd always stop at that Starbucks. And <laughs> this is how big of a Red Sox fan I am. I pretended like I didn't know who he was. So every time I'd see him, I'd say, hey, how you doing? Hey, how you doing? And then I'd gradually get up to him and say, hey, by the way, my name is Chris. I see you every day here. My name is Chris, by the way. And he always introduces himself as Joe. And I pretended like I had no idea who he was. I had no idea that he was a manager of the Yankees. All I knew him was Joe from Starbucks. So as I got to you know get to know him a little better, um, and we started actually having like little mini conversations and things like that, I, <laughs> I started to kind of plug in like thoughts about like how, you know, it, it's not great to be in this area. <laughs> like, and I figured if I if I even bring up sports in the slightest, he's he's gonna he's gonna know. Like if I even say like oh I, I'm a Red Sox fan, like I, I, it, my cover's blown. So what I would do is like on really like cold days, I would I I'd walk in and be like oh Joe this weather huh? It's like wouldn't you I, I said wouldn't you love to be like someplace warmer and not New York? <laughs> he never caught on. Never. So from the day that I, I, I worked there, oh, that's to the great. day that he actually ended up leaving the Yankees and I actually, actually, actually left that job around the similar time. Um, I kept pl- plugging, trying my best. My job was done. Like I was trying job, to be this guy was that was going to be the catalyst I mean, for him to say, you know what? <laughs> I, I think I'm done with New York. <laughs> so there you go. There you go. That's yeah. Right. It's <laughs> my contribution to the Red Sox. <laughs> Red Sox nation. You're welcome. Red Sox Nation. Red Sox Nation uh, uh, right. thanks you. <laughs> like Washington so, at Cornwall. Ben, that, that was, was amazing. A good, that, was good, that was a good top five <laughs> round we just had. I got to be on. I, I think so. Yeah. I, I, we've really been pushing off the Sox on here on this podcast um, just because there might be some Yankees fans. But like I said, you know, yep. you better know your Sox. You better know your enemy. I mean, I could just I could smell you a mile away when you don't know who's playing for the Sox or something. Like I know who Aaron mm-hmm. Judge is. I know who D.D. Gregorius is. I I know what teams you know they've played for in the past. I, I know everything about your lineup. So you better know my mm-hmm. lineup. Mm-hmm. So when it's Absolutely. on, it's on. You Absolutely. know what I mean? All right, let's move on, my friend. Let's go YouTube in. Let's go YouTube. Oh yeah. My favorite, my favorite oh, part man. of this podcast. We're going YouTube and kids. Hit me. I'm going to come yeah. up with that podcast. Uh, you want me to go first? All right. I'm chopping at the bit. All right. Here we go. Um, so my first uh, suggestion today is not necessarily a video, but more of a channel. Uh, Ooh, this guy's okay. name is Eyes on Cinema. And I have three um, videos selected. Um, this guy just has great movie clips. He's got great behind the scenes. Um, the three I selected is um, Sam Raimi and Bruce Campbell mm-hmm. talking about raising money for the Evil Dead One, and it's a five minute fifty one video, and they talk about how <clears throat> they were nineteen twenty years old, 
and they would go around dressed in suits that they bought <laughs> thinking that this is what they had to do to raise money. And they, they shot um, their little short, I think it's called into the woods and they shot their little short and would show it to like local doctors and uh, local businessmen who had money and raised money for evil dead, as opposed to going to Hollywood. That was great. Um, then there's a great video, Jackie Chan stunts going wrong, which is all the bloopers where Jackie Chan gets hurt. And then there's another video, Martin Scorsese's mom, Catherine makes pizza on late night with Dave Letterman. And, uh, this guy just has great cinema based clips, now, eyes on excellent. cinema. Just check it out. Um, yeah, you, you'll get lost in it. It was just a vine I got caught in and I'm like, I'm right. liking this one, liking this one, liking this one. I was just, uh, yeah, I was just in it and just get just buckle up. You're going to love it. If you go into the popular ones on his page, just just go nuts. And then um, last I think it was last night I was up just, you know, kind of browsing. And um, Chris, you Why ever seen the movie Snowpiercer? It's the yes. Chris Evans movie yes, where they're yes, on yes. a train in the apocalypse. Yeah. <laughs> OK, very weird movie. Kind of odd. You know, not the best movie, just high concept. Is it like a Korean film I, or something? You don't really like know if it worked like, kind of movie. It's like made in Asia. <laughs> yeah, Korean director. Yep, yep. But like John Hurt is in it and like he's in it and Ed Harris is in it. It's a very weird – and Tilda Swidden is in it and um, I don't know, just an odd movie. But the video um, is called – I, I want to get this right. It's by the the channel Rhino Stew, and the video is why Snowpiercer what? is a sequel to Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. <laughs> yep, you need to watch this video. It's fourteen minutes and forty seven seconds. I watched the whole thing. I love harebrained kind of conspiracies about movies and film and everything. And I don't know if this is confirmed or anything, but I watched the shit out of this video. And there are some things that are very, 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 very <laughs> close. So please check it out. I want to have a discussion on it. There we go. Um, and yeah, I, I <laughs> and, uh, the, the comments underneath. I mean, this video got 4.3 million views. The comments are off the chain. 16,000 <laughs> comments. Oh my God. So this guy is on to something. I don't know. I, this is why YouTube is great. Just little cinema things. You know, it's the reason why I used to buy DVDs with all these extra scenes to see all the behind the scenes making of commentary stuff. But now it's all in one place on YouTube. So go check those out. I'm Eyes on cinema and then the snow talk about this next video. week. Yeah. I'm excited to watch this and folks, you better watch it too. Cause we'll be, we'll be spoiling it next week. Believe me, believe me. Awesome. <laughs> awesome, man. Good picks. Good picks. You know, it's funny. I haven't, <clears throat> I haven't gone on too many, wormholes this week and i guess make it, make it. just like you it's this is not really like a wormhole so to speak but it's an actual show that is being aired on on youtube because youtube is eventually sometimes tries to be netflix but it's cobra kai um and season season two just came back oh have you nice. seen, did you see season one at all yep okay i did not it's, i watched the it's first alarmingly episode, good and it's one of those things where I never expected it to be good. Obviously, I thought, okay, it's a you know, it's a sequel series to Karate Kid. Like, come on, it's really good, and um, you know, it's it's kind of a, <clears throat> it's an interesting take because 
it's kind of like flipping flipping things, if you will. So, you know, on the series, it's actually like Ralph Macchio is kind of the villain, and um, the Johnny character. Oh God, what's his name? Oh man, oh, I, I shouldn't be blanking right now. Hold on. All right, it's Larusso, Johnny Lawrence, Billy Zabka. Johnny... Oh my God. <clears throat> So Billy Zabka is kind of the, the Johnny Lawrence hero Thank you. Thank because you, like Lord. what it basically tells the stories of what happens after the first movie where like Billy Zabka's life kind of goes out of spiral because of this karate tournament and things like that. And everything good happens to Ralph Macchio. He becomes like this auto dealer and he's living, living the high life and stuff like that. And basically it's about Billy Zabka's character, Johnny getting this dojo back, back up and running. And and actually, and and Ralph Macho does the same, but with a rival dojo. So it's like, it's it's amazing. And um, it actually the first season ended just not to spoil too much, but it ended with the original owner of the Cobra Kai dojo, like that guy from Karate Kid Part One, making a return and telling. And so now that that's going to be the season two arc, and I cannot wait. Excellent. For it. So, um, folks, <clears throat> if you love the Karate Kid, if you even like marginally liked the Karate Kid. Um, do make it a point, like spend the $6 or however much it costs to do, to download the entire series on YouTube, do it. It's, it's really, really worth it. And it's, again, nobody expect this movie, this show to be legitimately good, but it is. And it's fantastic. That's my pick. <clears throat> is, uh, is season three going to be an explanation of why, um, someone in a shower is the worst <laughs> Halloween costume of all time? <laughs> because <laughs> i want to know that answer like what went through daniel's son's mind because i you know i showed deke in that movie and he was scared shitless of you know johnny lawrence as a skeleton kicking the shit out of someone well dressed in if, a shower if, rod curtain if you i mean the <laughs> reason why he did beach. it was so he could like Just open up the curtains idea. and let the girl in and then they could shut the curtains get it but oh i i mean but yeah i get it no it's pretty bad um, i get it <laughs> let me ask you let me ask you ask oh, you this no but i that is a show i have to eventually check out. we're gonna so, have to man, do like you, a karate kid some, like some, you know anthology yeah. and just like really do a deep dive obviously but <laughs> um like oh, oh. <laughs> well oh I sorry are you asking me there. what's my favorite one <laughs> <laughs> i say it's part two i say it's part two um i i say it's the I mean, mm -hmm. I saw that in the theaters when I was a, about five or six. Um, you know, the little drums hitting. Epic. Uh, the Epic. ice breaking scene, I remember, was quite intense. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I remember <clears throat> still. That's like Rocky Four shit right there when, when he breaks the ice. That was epic. It's like Rocky Four or when uh, Jean-Claude does it in Bloodsport and breaks the bottom brick. The, the, you know, there's just some epic things that happened in the 80s on film. And those three, in my mind, are just, you know, it's Dolph registering 1600 pounds of like force <laughs> when he hits the thing and he's like injecting steroids it's the ice breaking Amazing. scene and then you know van damme I, I hitting actually, the bottom brick. this was actually yeah. one of the first movies There's i, certain I things. saw in the movie yeah two. i think i think two i, think is I saw my it favorite. at cinema 1234 in, in new haven which is like the worst movie theater ever but nice <laughs> like, amazing yeah and my god yeah, like, yeah, i was like oh excellent. my god those little drums they gave him power and like <clears throat> hearing Peter Cetera's Power of Love, which is one of the most epic <laughs> like ballads in a movie, like power ballads I've ever heard. Um, yeah, no, number two is great. And I just evil Asian characters. I'm always going to love evil Asian people. Like, 
It's the only time. Mean, by the way, it's the only time I've ever really of like course. heard Okinawa like said repeatedly like in anything. So <laughs> Okinawa, um, <clears throat> which I had Okinawa. no idea. Yeah, that's right. Movie. <laughs> it was an entire island. I, it was, I just thought it was a town. Sorry. <laughs> now I gotta rewatch it. Now I gotta I gotta rewatch it because I could just see evil, Pepper evil in his face saying Sato. Okinawa. We were good friends. Oh my god. Uh, but my question now is on this defund credit key part too. My question for you is how does Roch- Ralph Macchio like Ralph Macchio, like Johnny uh, Danielson, he gets like ridiculously hot women in all three movies. Elizabeth Shue in the first one. You've got... Oh my God, the, Elizabeth the, the, Shue. The Asian Stop one it. in number two. God, that's not terrible. The Asian one. And then you've got... Oh God, what's her name in part three? The one who... Uh, Nikki, Nikki uh, Cox <laughs> in part three, who is like gorgeous redhead. Um, right. Just, uh, like, the chemistry and the appeal never made sense to me. So right. I'm like, man, he's got something that I just... There's a gift there. I don't know what it is. Well, you know what it is, is freaking what's his face? The guy who plays Daniel's son was, <laughs> was like, like really he was definitely pushing was he, thirty like 40 by forty when they made yeah. those. <laughs> yeah, he was older than Matt Dillon in the outsiders. It was outrageous. And he just happened to be this skinny little Italian kid, and he's just like, you know, <laughs> was passing for this like young kid. That was the deal, Chris. It's just this old dude that looks like he's fifteen. These chicks were just right. all over him. Elizabeth Shue was obviously 18, By the way, 19. Uh, my wife and, and I, we do that all over Ralph Macchio. So it's like. <laughs> no, <laughs> thanks. All that's, right. You confirmed that's, the, uh, that's what you confirmed does. the theory it's, it's in common, my head. I'm so glad. <laughs> oh my God. Ah! <laughs> Karate. <laughs> I'm so glad you brought that over to our culture. By the way, Karate Kid Part 2, so amazing movie. One of the worst video games I've ever played in my life. Uh, angry, oh, angry one. video! I was just great gonna say one. that angry video game nerd <laughs> has a great video on Along that. Oh my percent. god, I'm gonna have to go watch that now. Oh man! <laughs> yeah, no one's gonna Amazing. watch that Snowpiercer video now. Everyone's gonna watch Karate so Kid good. Part Two. <laughs> Hope you know that. Oh <laughs> uh, man, I can't believe we 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 went this deep, but I'm glad we did. I'm glad we did. Oh, wow. And by the way, between Mookie Betts um, and Peter Cetera, just, you know. Part two. <laughs> <laughs> um, Danny, like, ditches these women in, like, the quickest way possible. Like, in after part one, they ask about Liz- Elizabeth's shoes. Like, yeah, she dumped me for another girl, oh, yeah. whatever. Moving on. Beginning of part three, they ask him about this Asian girlfriend. She's like, yeah, she want to come over and visit me. She's, she's done. I'm, I'm on the prowl. Like, he, he like cuts them out of his like heart like stone cold. <laughs> I like that. Daniel's son. Yeah. Like I fought for, you know, I fought I, I fought uh, what what's the song? A fight for, for your, your honor, honor, a fight for your rival or what? Yeah. <laughs> he did that shit and then just yeah. broke her heart Apparently, and just like, left her like a like on the trash. side. She want to be with me? Just threw away like a piece of trash. You're missing out, Daniel's son. <laughs> Oh man! <laughs> Isn't that the line from Mallrats? Like, trash. hey, T.S., what happened with you and uh, her? Oh, he threw away like a piece of trash. <laughs> I could tell you all the Asian women's names, characters' names of that movie, 
and no one can tell me which one is the romantic lead. <laughs> like her name really doesn't even come into play. So, <laughs> oh man, this is great. Best podcast ever. <laughs> oh no! Yeah, we went down the. Beat Wong's in that movie. Never mind. On a couple right, so of I'm subjects. Gonna, I'm just gonna move on. He's he plays a boy on the street as Brad Wong. He's credited what? as Brad. He is? Wong. He must be like 10 when this movie came out. <laughs> Stop it. I'm, Dude, I'm Facebook. BD Wong's in I got a message this. My God, I love BD Wong. I thought, you know. Dude, I I love him at SVU, of course, but then he's just yep, like in yep, he's the evil, everything he's the evil doctor from like Park is he now. in Jurassic Park? All right, he's in that. Isn't he in the movie Solo with Mario Van Peebles? <laughs> we gotta, is that going too deep? Are we going way too I deep on this podcast? We've gone way the way, too deep. This is just, um, I love right, the evil cab driver in this movie. Um, like where like they're picked up at the airport. The guy's all nice to oh, him. Like, hey, I'll yeah. carry your bags. Oh, yeah. Welcome to Okinawa. Like, so glad to have you back. And then he takes Daniel and Mr. Miyagi to that like private airline hangar to meet Sato and like runs away. And like, it's like, it's the greatest like character heel turn you'll ever see in a movie. Where it's like, you think everything's going great. And then like they, they turn left and it's like evil cab driver all of a sudden. So anyway. Well, you know what? It's, there's, (laughs) there's a lot of, uh, sketchy Asian stereotypes in that movie. And then you think that blood sports setting you up for that mm-hmm. with the, uh, his little personal assistant guy that's helping out Frank Dukes. But that guy seems to be, he's like the best guy in the whole movie there that, you, you know, helps him avoid the cops and helps him get to the Kumite. So there's a lot to be said about little stereotypical characters, but you know what? There are no small uh, act, you know. There, there are no small parts. There's just small actors, and the people that played those parts, both those parts that we're talking about, the you know, the guy from Crime oh, Kid Part yes. Two and the guy heck from yeah. Bloodsport, acting their ass off. Here, here. Yes. <laughs> Let's By just bring way, it back to acting with this um, podcast. B.D. Wong was not in that movie with Mario Van Peebles, but he was in the Substitute Two with Treat Williams. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, damn it. Man, I thought I was hitting a deep cut right there. There's some other movie where he's playing like an evil doctor thing. That's Maybe it's just Jurassic Park I'm thinking of, but I don't know. All right, wait. Okay. I know we're 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 going live right here. <laughs> Screw, we'll do it live. Um is there a, a movie where BD Wong plays an oh evil God. transsexual scientist no slash drug dealer and if he did i gotta find this movie chris are you familiar with this i gotta find this movie yeah it's it's a pretty um i'm looking at his resume nothing's nothing's coming up that would tell me that (laughs) yeah i mean people need to hit us up on facebook this is a really this really happened i'm not just you know he definitely plays either a, a, a transsexual in this movie, and he's, but he's also like a scientist. I mean, he is in Men he, of War uh, with they, Dolph Lundgren. He gives Lundgren, someone so something. Like, All right, I'm gonna look that up for next week. Seen that movie? Not that. Hmm. No, nope, I seen that movie. Phenomenal. Definitely not. 
Yep, definitely not that one. I used to have the movie poster in my dorm room. Please, um, please do. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> I'm gonna look that up for everyone podcast. next week. What a way to what a way to wrap things up. I love it. I love it. Uh, ben, real quick, anything you want to plug? Anything yes. going on? Anything you want to promote? Anybody else you want to promote? As always, as always, uh, live nude swearing on YouTube. You can check out all the like videos I talked about. And also, I'm going to upload another music project pretty soon on there, which is more of a spoken word. And I think I've mentioned that um, me and my buddies up here, up in the North Country, we're going to come up with um, a film series Whoa. on that YouTube page. We're writing it right now. A couple of us have dialogue I down. We're going to write some action, and Phenomenal. we're going to film it, Phenomenal. shoot it, and upload it. It's going to be quick idea. and dirty, and we're going to get it done. Um, well, folks, you can find this podcast and all of our podcasts on the Onstage Blog Network at onstageblog.com, where we basically have a full staple of shows, almost uploading a new episode of something almost every single day now, which is crazy to think about that we've gotten this far. But uh, we have, and this is one of the main events, this, this show, uh, this podcast being one of the big highlights of the week for a lot of people. So thanks for all your comments. Thanks. Uh, for all your your feedback, please give us ratings on your various podcasting you know streaming networks, whether it's iTunes or Podbean or Spotify, because it definitely helps our algorithms and things like that. But um, yeah, keep that feedback coming because it's it definitely helps us out and uh, and whatnot. But Ben, thanks, man. This was great. Thanks, man. Great podcast, bros. Hey, and we'll see you guys next week. Um, Next week, I'm going to Massachusetts to watch Patriots Day with my old man. We'll be uh, watching it live in the locker room at Lee, Massachusetts. So I love it, man. Can't wait. Right, we'll folks, have our we'll full review. Week. Hopefully, we'll have a couple more wins under our belts, too. See ya.